Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Layritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Layritz. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we are now back in California. Thank you for joining me today. Um, last week we were in Vero Beach, and of course we had some nice guests on with Goose Gossage and, and Jerry Royce, and we covered some, some old-time stuff, uh, but a very exciting week that I had there in California. Uh, I mean, actually, there in Vero Beach was, uh, was fun. We had the fantasy camp, and uh, like I said, now back in California, and since we last talked, a whole week has gone by, and of course, as we know, this is the off-season for baseball. But at this time of year, things really start to heat up. And, of course, the first things that are going taking place this week were the uh, owners and GM meetings in Milwaukee. A lot of interesting things. This is, of course, where the GMs and the owners get together. They talk about the upcoming season. A lot of topics being covered. Of course, free agents. They talk about who they're going to trade, who they don't want to trade, who they're going to try to sign. As we have seen just recently, there's managers, there's coaches, there's all kinds of things that are going on uh, during these meetings. And uh, usually this is the precursor to the winter meetings that, that of course, are going to be taking place December 5th through December 8th in Dallas, Texas this year. And uh, that's really where the big stuff gets done. And, you know, some big news announced today. Uh, Dale Swain is now the Chicago Cubs manager. Uh I think this surprises a few people, especially the people in Boston. I think that uh, he had been brought back a few times um, for a couple different interviews and things like that. They were moving a little bit forward with the Red Sox. And all of a sudden, I think Theo Epstein just decided to jump in and decided to uh, to, to take Dale Swain away from that equation and uh, named him a manager, gave him a three-year contract. Um, very interesting, I think. It's a, it's a situation where... Uh, and he was a hitting coach in Milwaukee for the last six years, uh, been around the game, uh, knows, the, knows the division, which I think is really important. A lot of people don't. You know, they wonder why, okay, well, why Dale Swain? Here's a guy that's been in that division uh, for the last six years. He's seen other teams, the teams he's going to be managing against. He knows the tendencies. He knows the things. This is a real, real big advantage for him. Um, going into his first year, of course, as a manager. I, I think this should be very interesting. So Dale Swain named Cubs G, uh, manager and, of course, uh, taking over a history 
of a club who has not won. And, of course, with Theo Epstein coming in and what he did with the Red Sox to try to change that organization and bring two championships to them, these are the combination between Theo, Jed Hoyer, and, of course, Dale Swain. The Chicago Cubs fans should be a little bit excited today and, and look like things are going in a little better direction than they have in the past. Now, now they just have to concentrate on putting a team on the field that can actually help. Uh, one of the things I heard Dale Swain talking about in a couple of interviews that from the other side of the field he used to watch, some of the things that bothered him about the Chicago Cubs, and I found it very interesting, uh, his, his take. It wasn't, you know, he didn't come out right away and just say, okay, you know, I'm going to make these wholesale changes and guys are going to change. He just mentioned a few things that he noticed about players not hustling out balls, not running out things. And he said, listen, I don't mind when my players make the physical mistakes, but the lack of hustle the lack of desire, the lack of being prepared. He, he thought it was very evident. And, of course, I'm sure he was rephrasing or referring to the Carlos Zambrano incidents that were taking place, uh, some of the other situations that were going on over there with the Cubs that, that, of course, he noticed from the other side. And I thought that was very interesting, his take on that. And, of course, what he feels like when he comes in this spring training, that he is going to have to make some changes to make this club a contender. And uh, one, I, I found it very interesting, too, that he said he feels like this is a club that, given the right thing, he's got his three years to, to put this team together, that he thinks it can turn into a winner. So, Dale Swain, good luck to you. It's been a losing tradition, but maybe you can change things. The other news that we have today is Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw named the NL's Cy Young Award winner, and I don't think this is a surprise to too many people. Uh, except for those people that think this game is billy ball or whatever they call it, where everything is by statistics, that a lot of people that do the statistics say that they felt like Roy Holiday should have won it. But honestly, any guy that wins the pitching triple crown, I think he's pretty much, especially playing for a team that wasn't you know, a great team, uh, deserves a Cy Young. And I think anybody you talk to, uh, you know, heard Don Manley's comments, I heard Sean Kemp's comments, I mean, uh, Matt Kemp's comments, um, some of the things that were talked about, uh, Clayton Kershaw's makeup, just the, the desire that he has, the, uh, the the work ethic that he has, and just, just the good nature that he is. And uh, I think everyone was happy. This is the kind of guy that everyone roots for and is glad that won. And, of course, the 21-5 and record with a 2.28 ERA doesn't hurt. And that's why I believe he received 27 out of the 32 first-place votes uh, to win this award. And, of course, the Dodgers... Uh, honored him very nicely. Uh, they must have felt pretty confident themselves. They had it all set up at Dodger Stadium to where he was going to come in, be presented by Vin Scully, which he was saying as a 23-year-old kid, you know, his desire was to be a professional athlete, you know, best baseball player. He never dreamed that it would be like this. And, of course, having Vin Scully, you know, present him the award and things like that just, just was a great day for him yesterday. And the eighth Dodger pitcher, to win the award and uh, all of the pitching rich history that those Dodgers had, this has to be a pretty big day for, for Clayton Kershaw. And of course, you know, he joins the names of Eric Gagne and Oral Hershiser. And of course, everyone knows uh, just, just the pitching rich tradition that these Dodgers have had and uh, with, 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 with what they've been able to do. And, um, just a great congratulations to Clayton Kershaw. And, of course, he is the first left-handed pitcher since Randy Johnson in 02 to win the award. So uh, 
Clayton, congratulations, and let's hope the Dodgers can get the front office stuff in order so you can possibly be a contender next year in that wide-open AL West, uh, which also, since my last uh, radio show, where we've had the Managers of the Year named, and the first one, of course, coming out of nowhere. And I think if everybody looks at, back at their predictions, there's not one expert out there. Not one expert out there that could have said that they were predicted that the Arizona Diamondbacks would win the AL, I mean the NL West, and at a dominant, you know, and, and win it pretty, pretty, pretty convincingly. Um, and that's why, of course, Kurt Gibson receives Manager of the Year for the National League. And uh, congratulations, Gibby. That's a, that's got to be a great feeling, of course, uh, putting that team together and. Uh, you know, be named the, the the manager of the year for the National League, and of course in the American League, Joe Madden. And Joe Madden, of course, is not one of those guys that is to shy away from what he calls using everything that you can get. He uses the Billy Ball, but he also uses the players as his benchmark. And uh, Joe Madden, congratulations to you on being named AL Manager of the Year with the Tampa Bay Rays. So. Very exciting times in baseball. One of the things I do want to say before I bring on my first guest is I would like to talk a little bit about everybody today at some point. Uh, take a minute. I know that's not baseball related, but this is something that, you know, uh, I, I saw this morning that kind of weighed on and say a few prayers this morning for the people from Oklahoma State. Of course, the tragedy that took place there just, just recently and, and wish that, uh, say some prayers and ho hope those people uh, are able to deal with their loss fairly well. So without any further ado, I want to bring on my first guest, and of course, my first guest is someone who I used to work with at MLB.com, spent a lot of time in the studio, spent a lot of time together, uh, and uh, have a very great relationship. We, uh, he, he's going on to do bigger and better things, and I'm just starting to get on doing bigger and better things. And of course, that is my friend and former colleague, Casey Stern, MLB Network Radio, live on Sirius Radio XM. Uh, Casey hosts his own show, and uh, you know, Case, got a lot of topics to talk about, a lot of things, and I just want to welcome you to the show. How you doing today? What's up, King? What's going on, Jim? How you been, buddy? I'm doing real good, man. How you been? Good. Can't complain. You know, it's uh, the off season, but as you know, in baseball, there's no off season. Of course, and I know. Busy. I heard you, uh, by the way, echoing the sentiments on the uh, Oklahoma State stuff. Terrible, terrible tragedy. Yes. Yeah, terrible tragedy. Like oh. I said, I just everybody today, just take a take a moment and say a prayer, and just and hope they everything turns out okay there. Oh, I think we lost him. No, I got you. We're still oh, yeah. here. Okay, so Case, okay, tell me a little bit about. It. I know you were doing your own show. Uh, you've been busy because I tell you what, this is a lot of people think this is the off season for baseball, but this is really when things start to heat up. And we just had the GM and owners meetings. A lot of talk coming out there. A lot of things happening. Uh, of course, the first topic I have to bring up today is the, the Chicago Cubs naming Dale Swain as their manager. Tell me a little bit about what you think about that. Well, you know, I think first of all, it tells you a lot about the candidates and nothing against Dale, that he was as sought after as he was. You're talking about two of the top franchises in sports when you look at the logos of the Red Sox and the Cubbies, and here they are going after. I mean, this isn't Joe Torre or uh, Tony La Russa or Cito Gaston or guys who have won World Series. I think it tells you about the candidates, but... 
from the list that was out there, he was a guy who was at the top of everyone's list because he's known as a guy who's a player's manager, smart baseball man, well-respected, understands the game, and seemed to be of all the candidates the most seamless transition, especially for a club that's going to have a lot of youth and you need to do a lot of teaching. He's a guy who comes from, obviously, the Red Sox background, was under Tito. Uh, you know, obviously, Theo Epstein knows plenty of him as the third base coach of the Red Sox. And that's why it was so fascinating because really it was a determination between whether or not he goes back to a place where he used to coach in Boston or sticks with the people who got him that job and goes back to Theo in Chicago. I, I think it's a nice fit, but we've got to remember, with this kind of a job, you're probably looking at a stopgap guy because the Chicago Cubs aren't going to win for at least three, four years. So whether or not he's the manager when they win, after this rebuilding phase goes away, they get their draft picks, they make the trades they need to, and they use the payroll the way they have to, that's a big question. I would probably guess that he won't be, but is he a good manager for the timing? I think for the Cubs he is. I think he's probably the right guy. And, and look, you know, with Chicago there's a grace period. The Cubs fans have been pissed off for 100 years, but let's not forget, <laughs> you bring in Theo Epstein, you bring in Jed Hoyer, you get rid of Jim Hendry, for this year at least, the Cubs fans are going to go out and enjoy the time at the ballpark, understand that they're rebuilding for the future, and I think they'll be okay with losing because they've got obviously no chance to win here in 2012. Yeah, and I agree with you totally. That's a situation where you know you bring in somebody like that and you just hope that you can start rebuilding because I think after all these years of losing and just trying to bring in the top names and the big managers – and still not putting that product on the field that you need to put on, I think it's time for them to, to, to read. And I think bringing in Theo Epstein says that's the direction they're going to go in. So while we're on the topic case, let's talk about man, uh, managers and new managers. Uh, one of the things I am noticing, and, and, and it's, I, I don't know if it's becoming a trend, uh, but it's a lot of these managers have never had managerial experience. And guys that have, of course, maybe at different levels, but at the big league level, uh, not much experience, and let's talk about number one, where I think uh, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what they're going for, what they're looking for, and that's of course the World Champions, and it's the St. Louis Cardinals. And with Matheny being named manager, tell me a little bit about what you think as far as that goes, and is that the right move for the Cardinals? Well, first of all, I'm with you. You know, Peter Gammon said yesterday, which I thought was a nice point, you know, every great manager needs a first opportunity. But normally, if you look at Joe Madden, who I heard you talking about earlier, and congrats to Joe, and you think of Ron Renneke in Milwaukee, you think of Bud Black, Bud, a pitching coach for Mike Sosha, Ron Renneke was under Sosha, Joe Madden under Sosha, disciples a la Bill Walsh in football. We've seen guys be big-time coaches and then go on to manage. Your buddy Joe Girardi, same thing, obviously, under Joe Torre. So we've seen that. The weird part is that here's Matheny, who really, other than being a longtime Cardinal and involved in the organization and a, a friend and fan of the community, he doesn't have any managerial experience whatsoever. I, I talked to Tony Lusa and Mike Matheny about this over the course of the last few days, and Tony's thing was that if he ever had a player, and this is a strong statement from Tony LaRussa, that he thought could step right in and manage, that played for him, and that he felt was kind of like a coach on the field, he thought Mike Matheny was the guy. I mean, Mike told me that Tony was grooming him for this long before even he knew he wanted to be a manager. So, you know, you hear those comments, and coming from Tony LaRussa, you feel comfortable. As far as Mike Matheny is concerned, one thing's for sure in talking to this guy now, and, you know, I talked to him as a player, but this guy's very cerebral guy about the game. But the one thing that you understand, Jim, is that he's going to absorb knowledge 
and soak up all he can. And you know as well as I do, whether it's you're getting involved in broadcasting, you want to go be an accountant, or you want to be a big league manager, the biggest thing you can do is have a willing and admittance that you need to learn. He's got that. He's going to absorb everything he can from Dave Duncan. He's going to keep calling Tony La Russa. He's going to absorb what he can from all his friends in the game. I think if you take that attitude, which is kind of what Don Mattingly has tried to do out in Los Angeles, I think you'll see him groomed to, to learn to be a great manager. Is he going to step in day one and understand the double switch the way you want? No. But I think the important thing, Jim, here is to see who the bench coach is. That bench coach is going to be important. We saw Don Zimmer, you did for many years with Joe Torre. We're going to see now, I think, a hiring of a bench coach that has a lot of experience in the game. I wouldn't be surprised. I probably feel it should be a former manager. And then I think you'll see Mike Matheny over the next couple of years really learn some of the ins and outs of managing. He's going to have to have a right-hand man who's been there before. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, one of the things that kind of, when you talk about that and you say what Tony LaRusso's comments were about Matheny, it kind of reminds me of what Joe Torre said about Joe Girardi, you know, and, and just be, that he was always a manager in waiting uh, as a player. And uh, that could be the situation with, with Matheny also. And uh, my other question, too, you know, I, I wonder, and I don't know if this, if this was ever presented, is his relationship with Albert Pujols. Is there some type of relationship that maybe naming somebody like this this could be an advantage to bring Pools back, and you know, and maybe th- maybe that's the reason for this. Did have you heard anything like that? Well, you know, I I asked Mike about that and John Mosellock, the GM, and you know, they both have the same response: it can't hurt. And I agree with that. But you know, Jose Okendo probably closer to Pujols than even Matheny is, and Jose ended up third in the running because based on people I talked to, it ended up being between Matheny and Francona. And Jose, it really shows you you learn a lot in life. You know, for people who can't suck up pride in their jobs who are listening to this show right now, Kendo goes ahead, has been waiting forever for a managerial spot, doesn't get a shot at this job, but staying on the coaching staff because of how much he cares about the baseball team, which I think tells you something about that person. I think he can't hurt. Obviously, the relationship's there, but look, is Albert Pujols going to not go there because Terry Francona, who won two World Series, all of a sudden ended his tenure in Boston with fried chicken and beer? I, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to matter. It's going to come down to can the Cardinals pay him enough where he feels like he's being paid representative to being the best player in the game. And I think the key thing is, Jim, you know, all the time we talk about the most money that a player can get, I don't consider Albert to be the guy who's going to go after the top dollar, but it has to be the top dollar that the Cardinals possibly can give. If he feels like that organization is doing 100% financially of everything they possibly can, then I think he comes back to the Cardinals. And for me, I'd be shocked if he left. I think Fielder's gone. I think Reyes is gone. But I would be shocked if Pujols is not a Cardinal. Yeah, I would be too. I think I think with the history that he has there, what he's you know the, the community service work he does there, you know the, Albert. What a lot of people don't know about Albert is he's a very strong religious man. He's also very you know he has, he has a lot of ties to that community, and he's going to get the money like you said, no matter what. And it's just a matter of you know I, I think it was interesting. I think the Florida Marlins did him a favor by saying, okay, listen, we're going to give you nine years. So I think it's kind of put a little pressure on the Cardinals to come back with something similar to that. But uh, you know, I, I think it's a situation with that, uh, like you said, that this is this is maybe a new trend of of, of managers coming into the game. And um, we're going to talk about some more managers coming up in just a second. But we got to take a quick break, and we will come back, Casey, in just a second, and uh, talk about more managers, talk about new GMs, talk about a lot of other things that are going on in baseball. And uh, we'll, we'll be right back in two minutes. 
a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Jim Lahrens is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bench his ass and then move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. And yes, I got to do. I did get a couple emails, so we'll talk about those in a minute. But uh, right now, Casey Stern, MLB Network Radio, Sirius XM, is on the line with me. We're talking about man- coaches and managers. Uh, Case, we just got done talking about a little bit about, of course, the Cubs, St. Louis Cardinals. You know, it's one of those things. I keep saying it again. These managers that you you, you just kind of wonder where, which direction these these people are going and you know I look at Robin Ventura of course being named as the White Sox uh, you know it, it's it's something that I think that surprised everybody did this surprise you or is this something that you thought maybe you could see you could see it coming Nah, the Ventura thing for me is like ten times more surprising than Matheny because when you're replacing Larusa and you're coming off a World Series. You're trying to find the most seamless guy you can. So, you know, Matheny was a special advisor. He was still around the team in spring training. He knows all the players. He played with them. You know, he's still got Dave Duncan there. 
even though it's surprising, because I thought Francona was the right guy for any job that was out there, it's not nearly as surprising as Robin. I mean, having covered him, and you know, I mean, real good guy. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Understands the game as much as anybody. So I don't think it's going to be a question of baseball acumen. But, you know, this is not a guy that, that anyone had in even their top 100 candidates. Nobody would have mentioned Robin Ventura. So, you know, Kenny Williams is kind of quirky with that anyway. You know, the way he handles things sometimes isn't exactly how everybody else does. It's why Ozzie Guillen was there much longer than he probably should have been and was handled the way he was when he exited. So I'm not sure how Ventura works. Root for him personally. Hope it works out well. But, you know, I think coming off of Ozzie Guillen, he's the right kind of personality because he'll stabilize that team and that city after everything that happened with Ozzie. But, you know, I don't know with Ventura as a manager. No experience. And his bench coaches. You know, guys like Super Joe and all the guys they put on that staff, you know, he doesn't really have a very experienced staff at all. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Chicago. Yeah, that's what I thought was interesting is, is well, first of all, Ozzy took most of his guys with him, so that hurt a little bit. But I think, yeah, it, when, when you start a staff off like that uh, with the Mantos and the guys like that, that, you know, don't get me wrong, they have a great history uh, of being around you know, in man, you know, in coaching at other levels, but at the big league level, it's so much different. Um, I'd be curious to see what they're doing. Of course, I think this is also a team, like we just talked about before, with like the Cubs, that is starting over, and, and you know, is 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 going to be cleaning house a little bit. You know, some of their older players are up in age. I think this is a team too that you have to look. You know, unfortunately, I think the city of Chicago is going to be uh, just watching teams build over the next few years so i think that's going to be interesting to watch well let's talk about the one that i i'm loving right now because just case you know i i lived in florida for almost 25 years right i went down to the marlins games i missed been 40 of them a year at least with my kids and every year i would go down there all i heard about was we don't have any money we we can't afford this. We're losing money every year. Uh, look, you know, look at our books. Look at all these things. And of course, last year there was a few things uncovered with the Marlins that said, "Okay, wait, maybe our books aren't as true as they are." All of a sudden, we have a new stadium. We bring in a new manager, Ozzie Guillen, and the money that they're offering their free agents. Casey, tell me what what do you see happening here? Well, I, first of all, I got to tell you this, and it's funny because I had uh, I talked to the assistant general manager Dan Jennings yesterday, and I asked him if there was a bet that they lost for those uniforms because <laughs> that's that's the first thing I noticed. I, there must have been a mandate king to have every color in the Crayola. I mean, somebody's four year old must have drawn up those uniforms. So the first thing I see are these hideous uniforms behind that. You know, you got a new ballpark, you got a lot of excitement, a lot of money. You know, I asked yesterday, I was talking to Dan, and I asked him, I said, you know, does the organization have pressure to make a splash? Because, you know, you get a new stadium, you got a new manager, but making offers is one thing. You got to reel in one of the fish, no pun intended with the Marlins, but, <laughs> you know, he said it's not pressure. But at the same time, that's something they would like to do. I think of the guys that they've offered deals, Reyes is the one that probably will land there. I don't think Pujols is going to leave St. Louis. I don't think Burley, despite Guillen, is going to pick Florida. I do think there's a very, very good chance that they could land a Madsen type maybe back into the bullpen. But I think Reyes is the big fish. I mean, look, 
you got to get people to go in the seats. Guy's probably, when he's healthy, as exciting as any player in baseball to watch for a fan, and especially because you got to look at it, King, like this. you got a new fan base. you got people who haven't paid attention to this team that now, because it's going to be the thing to do in Miami, are going to start paying attention. you got to sell those fans. Mike Stanton and a lot of the players that they have will do that, but Reyes, because he's kind of a known commodity, I think will add to that a little bit. So I think they'll get one of these guys. I think they do have a lot of money to play with. But I think for the Florida Marlins, the biggest thing is relevance. This team has not been relevant nationally or even in their own state ever. So I think to be able to have that feeling and that buzz around this ball club, I don't know if they're going to, you know, I don't think they're winning the World Series this year. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. But will they be more relevant than they've been in a long, long time? I think there's no doubt about that. And, and ugly uniforms or not, that's good stuff for Miami. Yeah, no, I think so, too. One of the things I, I see, too, is you got to remember, you know, the Miami Heat made the big splash with LeBron James and Wade now. And, of course, the Dolphins are owned by a very Hollywood-type owner. I think this is kind of keeping up with the Joneses down there. And, uh, and, and, and really, honestly, I think South Florida is becoming one of the, you know, a, a major market, just like New York and Los Angeles. And uh, I, think that, I think the Marlins feel like they have to, to kind of keep up with the Joneses a little bit. And I, honestly, I think that'd be interesting. I think bringing in Reyes, I think that's probably their best bet right now because you, you would have a, a kind of an A-Rod Jeter situation where, you know, Hanley Ramirez is, is more than willing to move uh, to make room for that. And, of course, the Latin flavor down there in South Florida uh, is, is pretty much – uh, a, a very attractive package for all these guys, and um, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, I think it's. Uh, I think Reyes and probably Madsen would probably be, as far as financially, one of the better fits uh, because now you you chore up your bullpen a little bit, and you also, uh, you know, you, you offensively just get this team to a point where they uh, they're pretty special. So I will see what happens down there. But um, you know. You mentioned free agents, and I think free agents is something that you know is is is, is really on the watch. And of course, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about, of course, some of the big names. Uh, Albert Pujols, we've already mentioned a little bit. We think he's going to go back to St. Louis. Um, I think with everything that's going on there. But tell me about Prince Fielder. What do you? Where do you see this guy ending up? And where do you see, you know, honestly, the best fit for him, uh, and, and for, for for what ball club needs him most. Yeah, you know, he's the unknown, because I think with Reyes, you're going to end up seeing a scenario, because Boston's not in play there, where it's going to be, he goes to the Marlins, very small chance he go back to the Mets, because they can't play with the money, and look, I think he'd give a hometown discount, but he's not going to give it a $40 million difference, so I don't think the Mets have any chance. Marlins are in play, you know, maybe one or two other teams, but I think everybody's looking down at Florida now, because it's a place that he'd like to be. Pool, St. Louis, well, where the heck is Prince Fielder going to go? The ironic thing is the teams that seem to be the best fits and the ones that would be most exciting, I think, for baseball, I don't know if they're going to spend the money. One, and the first one I think of is the Dodgers. You want to go ahead and you want to, you know, really with the new ownership when it gets in, make a splash and send some money. Prince Fielder going to Los Angeles would com- dynamically change that team and dramatically and literally immediately. You look at Kemp, MVP candidate, Kershaw just won the Cy Young. They really could use another big bat. It's Los Angeles. They need to make a splash to turn the PR of the McCourts around. But the question is, with the new ownership change, whoever it's going to be, will it happen fast enough where Prince is even still out there? I don't think so, so they're probably off the board. The Cubs, 
I think they're a great fit, but I hesitate to believe that Theo is going to go out and sign a big deal. I think he really is going to kind of evaluate his own guys, trade some players away, and bare bones this whole thing, figuring King that he goes out next offseason, and now after knowing what he has, making some trades, getting some draft picks, then starts to spend some money. I don't think he's going to go get Fielder. So, you know, where does he end up? The Angels say they don't want to play on Fielder because they got Morales coming back and they had Trumbo. You know, you look at some of the other teams that could be possibilities, and, and you, you kind of have an answer with everyone where I don't know whether or not they're going to go spend the money on Prince. The thing about Pools is that he's a given. He's a no-brainer. As good as Prince is because of his weight and because of the shape that he's in, giving him $200 million over seven, eight years is a big problem for a lot of teams. So it's, it's harder for me to figure out where Fielder ends up. I still gut says to me that, that you know, he ends up either with a team like the Cubs or somebody who's trying to make a splash like that. I'm not sure if the Dodgers, you know, the one team to watch that kind of is way off the grid is a team like Toronto, a club that has a lot of money to spend that nobody's talking about that could go ahead and make a move. Fielder's going to be interesting. I think one thing is for sure. I think Pujols and Reyes will both be gone off the board before Fielder because I think the longer that Boris keeps Prince out there, the more teams will play the leverage on it, especially without Pujols on the market anymore. So I think they're better off waiting. I could see Fielder sitting there end of December down towards Christmas still without a team. I think this is going to go at least another couple months with Fielder. Yeah, I think so too. I think this is going to be a situation where uh, he is better off waiting and finding find, finding where where the big need is. And you know, you you're right. I think Los Angeles is a very attractive package. Um, you know, it's a situation where you know Don Manley, a former first baseman, uh, you know, does know Cecil uh, a little bit. It could be some ties right there. Uh, and I remember, you know, Donnie Donnie got the witness. Prince Fielder at age 12, 13, hitting home runs out of Yankee Stadium. So uh, that, that could be an interesting fit. So we'll see what happens there. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about the free agents as far as the pitching goes. Yep. C.J. Wilson, the biggest name out there. Um, this guy, you know, I don't know. Do you feel like he maybe lost a little bit of that uh, power that he had going into free agency during the, the, the World Series and, and, and the playoffs? The, the last two years, I was there with the Rangers almost every day in the postseason. Got to know C.J. well. He's as good as advertised as far as a, a good guy. Uh, clean living, doesn't go out, works hard. First guy in the gym, last guy to leave. First guy at the park, even on the days he's not pitching. All of that is true. So bringing all of that, plus the charisma he brings, is going to make money in D.C. for a team that needs a face make money in New York for a team that's always, as you know this, looking for marketing guys and, and guys that they can go and put on commercials. Uh, Boston, the same deal. He's got superstar kind of personality. The problem with C.J. Wilson is, here's a guy who was a reliever two years ago. Now you're throwing him 250-plus innings this past year. How anyone could ever think that that guy in October is going to look like the guy he looked like in May, especially when he hadn't been really growing his arm to be a starter until a year and a half before that, there's no way. So the tough part about it, Jim, is you know he comes up looking like a guy who can't harness the moment, looking like a guy who's not a big-time pitcher. Kobe Lewis, not nearly as highly touted. If he was a free agent, I think everyone's going after him at half the money for CJ because Kobe Lewis the last two postseasons has been brilliant. So I think it's, it's kind of unfair probably. Look, I don't think he's as good as people think. He's going to get paid much more money than he deserves, but I don't think he's A.J. Burnett or John Lackey. I think CJ 
is a guy, if you overpay him, King, and you feel like, okay, I'm going to go pay this guy $80 million, and all I want is 15 wins every year with an ERA of four, you're going to get that for him. And even though that's overpaying, a lot of guys are going to look at that and say, you know what, that's my number three starter to go win games. So I wouldn't be surprised if New York or Boston or some really good team takes him. But I think the fans need to understand, you're not getting an ace, you're probably not even getting a number two. You're getting a guy who's going to win you 15 games, be great in the clubhouse, and then you've got to watch the innings because he's had way, way too many innings on his arms in the last two years. Right. I, I agree. I think that's a, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy that is not your, 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 your big name. Uh, a couple other guys out there, Mark Burley, Roy Oswalt. Uh, what, what, what do you think about as far? I think Burley is the next. Uh, here's a guy that's been consistent, won gold gloves. Uh, where do you see him possibly fitting into? Do you think? Yeah, I would take Burley over C.J. Wilson, and, and you know, look, not everybody agrees with that. But here's my thinking: If I'm the Yankees, I'd rather have a guy that I know every year what he's going to do. I don't have to take any chances. I don't have any concern about his arm. I don't have any concern about whether or not he can handle the city. Guy's been around forever, eight years in a row, opening day starter, and costs less than Wilson. So I think Burley's a great get. I I could see him going to Florida. I think D.C. is a good spot for him. You know, Mark Burley is the kind of guy, if I'm the Nationals, that I want to pay to go have in my rotation to sit there with Strasburg and have a veteran guy at the front end. And that's why they're looking at Oswald and Burley, because I think they need that kind of guy, and they'll overpay for him. And you send Burley to the National League East, put up good numbers, could win you 18 games. So I think probably an NL club for Burley. I don't think he's going to go back to Chicago. I like what I see from him because he's consistent. As far as Oswald, you know this, you know, seeing him as, as long as we both have. The guy, when he was dominant, never got the credit he deserved for how good he was. He's not that guy anymore. I'm really, really worried about his back. I'm worried about the fact that he's been a, a smaller-sized pitcher for a long, long time with a lot of innings. I probably wouldn't touch Oswald if it were me, just not the guy he used to be. Right. Uh, I think some other, there's one other interesting free, free agent. I know nothing about this guy. I've seen it in the news lately a little bit. But, you know, over the years... We've heard about these Japan teachers of coming over in here, and you know some of them, like Nomo and them, have been dominant for a couple of years. But until these guys get figured out, there's a guy named Yo Darvish. Tell me a little bit about what you know about him, because I'm not real familiar with this guy. Well, uh, guy's got dominant stuff, overpowering, a veteran over there who's been around and won a lot of games, and a guy who's highly touted because based on the market, when you look at Burley and C.J. Wilson, where there's no aces, this guy could be a frontline guy. However, you remember Hideki Arabu. You remember, you know, Hideki Matsui. Two completely different stories. Remember Kaz Matsui. Point is... You never know with these guys. It's a crapshoot that I wouldn't spend a lot of money on because you never know whether or not these guys are going to be great or they're going to be Kay Agawa who's getting paid $20 million to sit in the minor leagues for the Yankees. So, uh, you know, with guys like Darvish and this kid Cespedes, the Cuban center fielder, you know, you see a lot of video and it's great, but you know what it's like. I mean, you know, hitting at the big league level and hitting in a simulated game are two different things. When you're hitting against competition that's not near the level that these guys are going to have to deal with and get outs, that's how you get situations like Matsuzaka getting paid $100 million when the guy walks the ballpark. So, you know, I think Darvish is going to get paid because people are desperate, but I don't think he'll be as good as people think. No, I don't think so. That's the chance you take. You know, you look at his numbers. Uh... It's just a whole different level of competition over here. And one of the things I always get worried about, like you said, the guy's a veteran over there. He's pitched for quite a while. You know, 
the I think the American game, uh, it may not be as they, you know because we talk about the res, the regiments that they have over there, the physical training they do, but over here it's the mental grind, it's the the travels, the things like that that really get to a player. And I'd be curious to see, uh, you know, if a team is willing to put out the money. Uh, to take another chance like this. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Yankees, of course, after being burned, probably won't be one of the teams that's in the running, but we'll see what happens with him. Well, Case, listen, I, uh, I, I don't want to let you go. I got to take a quick break, but I want to come back because I got the one topic I really want to talk about I haven't covered with you. And that's some of the changes going on with uh, ownership. Of course, the new, the new Houston Astros, them moving to the uh, American League, and of course, the new playoff. Uh, situation that they want to talk. So, you, can you give me a little bit more time when I come will, back? I will hold with you, but I got to ask you one question first. I just want to know so I can have the visual. Do you okay. have like seventeen newspapers laying out in front of you like you used to? You know how I work, buddy. That's what I want to know. Is there a <laughs> cup of coffee and like seventeen newspapers? Because I'm yep, surprised. That, that's I heard it, you make man. That's email it. before. I didn't know you knew how to use a computer yet. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little more computer. Good. A little more. That's good. Progression is important. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold with you. Don't worry yeah, about but it. I, I still have my 55 newspapers and everything all over the there place. There you go. So. Good to hear. Keep, all right, yeah. All right, buddy. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll be coming right back. And like I said, I want to cover some of those those baseball topics with you too because I think uh, this is something that uh, I find very interesting that's going on and, and some of the new things that they're trying to do with baseball. So we will be right back in two minutes with Casey Stern. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done. And Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346-9144. You can also send an email to info at gemlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And, of course, we're with Casey Stern, and we are now going to talk 
a little more baseball topics. And I think the first topic I want to bring up, Case, is this, uh, this new ownership, of course, the, the Houston Astros being bought by Tim Crane and, of course, agreeing to this deal was that he had to go to the American League in 2013. And uh, tell me a little bit about this deal, number one, but also how you feel about the Astros now switching over to the American League in 2013. Yeah, I mean, as far as Crane goes, he saved somewhere between 70 and $80 million. So doing that, if, if anybody tells you you saved 70 $80 million, the list of things you do, dot, 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 go far worse and far, uh, I'm sure, more R-rated or X-rated than sending a team to the American League West. So I don't think he really cared as much. For him, he wanted ownership of a baseball team. As far as for the Houston fan, you know, I mean, look, you're not really losing any big rivalries in the National League as far as that aspect of things, but a lot of fans are pissed off because, you know, not against anybody who played in the American League predominantly, but, you know, I've always felt the National League is a better style of game. It's strategically very different. It's more baseball to me the way it should be played. And that being said, I don't think anybody wants to have to deal with the DH that's an Astros fan and have to deal with going to the American League. That and the fact that, don't forget, you now have to change the way you look at things. Ironically, Carlos Lee has been a guy who can't stay healthy on the field forever. He's like 900 pounds at this point. How great of an ALDH has he always looked like? If this would have happened a few years ago, his contract actually runs out right before this happens, so they won't be able to have use of him. As far as the impact of it, you know, you build a rivalry for the Rangers and the Astros. It's good for the state of Texas for baseball, where baseball's building a little bit with what's happened in Dallas the last couple of years with the Rangers. But at the same time, it, it is kind of weird because other than that, there doesn't seem to be any reason why they picked the Astros specifically, unless you want to include the common sense reason, which is they suck so it doesn't make a difference where they play. And that's kind of part of the reason I'm sure this happened. That being said, now you get interleague play all across the board because for the first time you've got 15 teams in each league. So basically from opening day all the way through September, every single day that baseball is played, at least one series will be interleague series. So someone's going to open the season with one of these crappy, terrible series where if you're sitting there and you're a Jays fan and you want to open up the season against the Yankees or the Red Sox to pull in dollars, you could be opening up against the Washington Nationals. I mean, that's the problem with this whole thing is the interleague aspect because you know this as well as I do. People hated interleague play from day one. Then they kind of got sold on it. Now everyone's sick of it. But instead of getting rid of it, there's now actually going to be more interleague play every single year starting in 2013. Right. Yeah, I think that's going to be a big thing. You know, I also wanted to a little bit. I wonder a little bit if this is something that C-League is going to use as an experiment. You know, because one of the things that I, I, I noticed you know, and I saw in one of the uh, – the things where they were talking about realignment of the leagues and trying to cut down on travel, you know, kind of split things in half and have the American League on one side, the National League on the other, and you know, they're trying to change teams and divisions. Uh, if, if this maybe has it's kind of an experiment for them to see is okay, you know what? If we have two teams, because I mean I've never heard of it. I've never heard of two teams being that close to each other that it's always one of the American League, National League. You know, and now all of a sudden, it's you get two American leagues in the same, you know, the same date. Is this something that maybe you know Bud is trying to figure out? Maybe this this could work in other places. So I'd be curious to see if that happens too. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree that that's that's the case. And you know, it happens never happened in baseball, but it it does happen. Don't forget in other sports, NHL. 
Islanders, Rangers, Devils, great rivalry, three in the same area, all in the same division. You know, you look at the NBA, the Knicks and Nets are in the same division. So it, it does happen in other sports. It's never happened in baseball. I mean, the key part, and yesterday in talking to a lot of fans that they're pissed off about is, you know, we all thought one of the great things about baseball was the way we separate ourselves from every other game. This kind of looks like we're trying to make ourselves like every other game. You're adding more playoff teams to water it down. You're adding interleague play across the board, so it doesn't really matter anymore what league you're in, and it takes away from kind of that whole appeal of the World Series being the first time the two teams met. So, you know, I don't disagree with you. That could be a way that they're looking to go. I think they're going to look to make drastic changes as the years go forward. And now based on interleague play, the switching of the Astros, and the wild cards that were just added yesterday in a one-game playoff, for crying out loud, I think you're going to see a lot of changes in baseball in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and that leads me into my next one. Yeah, the, the, the wild card situation. And, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of argument both ways on this, is bringing an extra team in. Uh, for a one-game playoff at the end of the year. And I, do you think maybe, Case, that after seeing this year, the way it ended, that maybe Bud is trying to jump on this bandwagon and saying, okay, now let's create this last game of the year because after 162 games, people are kind of bored. And you know what? Let's, let's make it one more last hurrah and see what happens. You think this is a good idea? Yeah, I think that's exactly kind of what they're doing. I mean, look. You know, and not not that I'm that much of a purist, but I, you know, adding two wild card teams for me dilutes the game a little bit because for all the people who say, well, you know, if look, if I'm working in an organization, I love it. If I've got no payroll, I love it. You're giving me more of a chance to make money for my team, myself, and to make the postseason. I get that, but from a fan standpoint. You're now watering the, the league down a little bit, adding another couple of wild card teams. You could have a club that's got 82 wins that finished nine games out of the wild card if it was a runaway. You know, these years, you know, when you and the Red Sox were winning every year and one would win division, one wins the wild card, the team behind the Red Sox, if they won the wild card, could have been 10 games behind. Now that club will have one chance in one game to knock off Boston, who won 94. They only won 84, but they're moving on. I'm not so sure that's a great pill to swallow. That being said, the alternative was a three-game series. I hated that. You're going to right. screw up every pitching staff. You're making the division teams wait an extra few days, and you know how important it is to not have that layoff. You want the rest for a couple of days, but if you have a great end to the season, you don't want your pitchers and players sitting there for two weeks. So I think if you're going to do it, the one-game playoff is the way to do it. But I think you know the extra wild-card teams, it's going to be interesting. I think for some clubs like Tampa Bay or the Jays that are in the AL East, they're going to love it. But I think some fans are going to realize, that when your team goes and you play in the best division in the league like the AL East, you could win 97 games and literally have one chance where you face a dominant pitcher and your season is over. That's going to hurt a lot of fan bases who lose that one-game playoff. Right. A lot of people argue, too, okay, well, that gives more incentive to win the division you know, and, and do that. But at the same time, uh, like you said, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting to see that if that happens. And I'll tell you what it also does, Case. It puts a lot of pressure on GMs. It puts a lot of pressure on GMs to whether we make that extra trade, whether we make that, you know, do we do that midseason deal? Do we get rid of that guy that we might be losing? Because we may be that other wild card team that's got that one that one game to, to maybe to maybe knock somebody off. So I I think that's gonna be really, really interesting if if, if they do decide to adapt that uh policy. But uh hey listen, man, I appreciate you giving me all your time today. Uh tell me a little bit about the show that you're doing so we can give you a little plug. No, uh, two through six, Monday through Friday, uh, Sirius XM on MLB Network Radio, MLB Network's radio station. 
yeah, I mean, you know, basically it's it's talk radio at its finest. I mean, callers getting involved, a lot of guests. Uh, where we kind of, you know, try and bring on the best people in the game. You know, we've got two GMs coming on today. Vernon Wells is hopping on. Uh, Kershaw, who got the Cy Young yesterday. So, you know, it, it's an opportunity, I think, for people in baseball, fans who are just getting started, to not only argue about their favorite teams, but hear from some of the top people. And, you know, that that being said, I, I'm sitting here with no voice because I tend to scream a lot. So if you like <laughs> ranting and raving and a lot of opinion, you'll enjoy the show. And your partner? Uh, Jim Bowden. The controversial yeah. former uh, general manager of the Reds and the Nationals. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of fireworks on the show. We're at each other's throats. We have a good time with it. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, there, there are worse things to be doing than covering baseball. There's no doubt about it. So, you know, it, it's fun every day to get to do it. And uh, no, no sweat on the time. Anytime you want me, I'm here for you, King. I appreciate it, buddy. I, I, I miss our days together. We spent a lot of time together. So, uh, okay, best of luck to you, and I appreciate you joining me, and we will talk to you soon. I Actually, I will probably see you at the winter meetings. You're gonna be, are you going to be at the winter meetings? I will be, uh, yeah, we will be doing the uh, stage show in Dallas. So come by and uh, say hello. Yeah, I'll be coming in on Monday, and I'll stay Monday and Tuesday. So I'll see you out there. All right, buddy. Sounds good, right. and uh, enjoy. Stay well. Best of luck, and enjoy this. You're kicking butt, all right? All right, Casey, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Have a good one. All right, take it easy, buddy. All right, buddy. That was Casey Stern, of course. Uh, always, you know, him and I spent many, many years together with MLB Network, uh, MLB.com, actually, and did some shows together. And uh, great to hear from him, of course, doing well with Sirius XM over there with the MLB Network. And uh, appreciated his time and, of course, all of, a lot of his opinions and things that uh, – that he shared with us, and you know, I agree with him. There's, there's, a, there's so much going on, um, so much to talk about. You know, the baseball uh, is is going through some changes. It's one of the few. I think we have a collective bargaining agreement coming up soon, and really, there's no talk about it. I think everyone's very happy with the way baseball is, the direction it's going in, the amount of money that the players are making. Uh, you know, everything seems to be going in a positive direction. Um, and of course, right now, uh, we just had the owners and GM meetings um, in Milwaukee. And of course, this is where Bud Sidlick did ask about possibly changing the, the playoff format. It's where the uh, Houston Astros were bought uh, and moved to the American League in 2013. That'll be an interesting move. Uh, but a lot, of, a lot of exciting things. But I think really what the GMs, and for you guys that, that, that aren't familiar with how the baseball uh, family works, the owners and GM meetings basically go to uh, the precursor to the, the, the winter meetings. And the owners and GMs get together. Number one, they talk about what's going on in the game, what they can do. Uh, but it's also time because there's a lot of downtime there in Milwaukee because there's not a lot to do uh, where these owners and GMs get together over a drink or over, you know, just sitting at the bar talking and just, you know, really just finding out what direction these guys want to go in. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of Situations happen there where these owners and their GMs they go back, you know, to to the to their uh, coaches, to the managers. They start talking about players. They start talking about which guys may be expendable, uh, which guys they'd be willing to trade, and what it would how it would hurt their team. And uh, so over the next two, basically two or three weeks, a lot of organizational meetings, a lot of uh, like I said, managers meeting with their GMs and the owners to see what they could possibly do and uh, usually that leads to the GM to the uh, winter meetings and they're in Dallas this year December 5th December 8th where we will see I believe 
a lot of movement. You know, you have a lot of free agents out there, uh, Pujols, Fielder, C.J. Wilson, Burley, Oswald, Reyes. You can just go down the line. Smaller names like Matsui, Willingham, John, Johnny Damon, uh, Jimmy Rollins, Sizemore, uh, you know, Jorge Posada still out there. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of guys that could impact the club, not so much uh, with the big name, but can be the little pieces that could possibly help a club win. And we know how important those are, uh, like we saw this offseason. So uh, big news today, like I said, once again, Dale Swain, Cubs manager, the Houston Astros sale approved. And, of course, Clayton Kershaw named Cy Young Award winner. We will be back with you next Friday. Of course, uh, actually, uh, next Friday we will have off. Uh, we will be replaying one of our old shows uh, due to the Thanksgiving holiday. But we will be back that following week. And enjoy your turkey day. Enjoy everything going on. And, of course, like I said from the beginning of the show, take some time out today, say a light prayer. And for the people that are in uh, Oklahoma State with the tragedy that took place there. I thank you for joining me. And like I said, I will see you in two weeks. Take care. We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Corner, talking baseball with your host, Jim Layritz. We can't wait to have you come back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.